This episode of State of the Nova Nation is sponsored by our friends at Homefield. Introducing our new sponsor, Homefield, a premium collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. Homefield brings you incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage college designs. They dig through the archives and history of your school to find unique logos, mascots, and moments to make thoughtful designs. Homefield launched its Villanova collection last Saturday, and this collection features 14 pieces of apparel, including t-shirts, hoodies, and crewnecks, all with vintage marks. I received my Nova Nation Homefield shirt this past week, and it completely exceeded my expectations. I love the design, the material is super soft, and for all my female Wildcat fans out there, the cut and the style is perfect to wear to a game and casual enough to wear to cheer on the cats. To explore the full collection, be sure to use the promo code VUHOOPS at checkout. That's VUHOOPS, all one word, all capital, for a discount on homefieldapparel.com to get all the apparel you need for March. What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the State of the Nova Nation podcast from VU Hoops. I'm Emma Houghton, he's Pat Zhang, and Pat, we are recording this because Villanova Nova Nation is in the final four. And I'm going to say that again for emphasis, the Villanova Wildcats are in the final four. Pat, how are you feeling? I mean... Cloud nine. Is that fair to, to put oh, it yeah. at the Villanova Wildcats are going to a final four. They're third and seven seasons. It's just, it's remarkable. The program that, that this staff and really whole department has been able to build through player after player coming in. We, we're going to go into a lot more discussion about that probably next week. Um, but my God, Villanova's going to New Orleans in a final four. It's the blue bloods. Oh, oh you no, be but, careful. That's a trigger word for a lot of people online right <laughs> now. A lot of people. But I'm just going to say that's what it is now. Every it everybody, is. every media company, every outlet is calling this a blue blood final four. Except and Villanova Andy Katz. has now cemented itself as a blue blood. What Andy Katz is trashing Villanova? Yeah, I, yeah, I said Nova's not a blue blood and can't be considered wow. a blue blood. It's Andy. I, it's a discussion that is obviously raging out there right now uh, on social media. If you don't want to call them a blue blood, if you're looking at this final four, this is at least the four best programs of the 2000s. And and I don't think that can really be debated with UNC, Kansas, Duke, and Villanova, all with championships uh, this millennium. Personally, yes, I have Villanova as a blue blood with the success. And people like to discount the success pre-J Wright era, which is so weird to me, uh, that they think that all of this for Villanova has come in Jay Wright. That is not even close to true. Um, but Hey, that Villanova is in a position that uh, I'm pretty sure just about every other uh, college basketball program would like to be in right now. Envies. Yeah. And, and Gonzaga is probably just outside because they're, that win is just so, uh, so envious for them. They, they just cannot grab it. But regardless, if you think Villanova is a blue blood or not, you cannot deny the fact that they're in the final four. They will face off against Kansas. Number two, Duke will face off against number eight, UNC. Like we've done for the past few weeks of postseason play, we will focus today on recapping Villanova Sweet 16 and Elite Eight games. And then on Thursday, it will be a very special one. So if this is Mm -hmm. your first time listening, thank you for listening. Welcome. Welcome. Make sure to subscribe because Thursday will be such a good episode. We will preview the Kansas rematch. We've got some good stuff on the docket for that one. But this, like I said, we're, we're going to recap Michigan and Houston. I told Pat right before we started recording, it feels like those games were ages ago. We have become new people since those games happened. And I guess that is a good enough segue as any. Uh, it's obviously very logical that we are so excited. And I think it's only right to be so excited but we have to address the elephant in the room, which mm-hmm. is that Justin Moore tore his Achilles in the last minute of play against Houston. And he will obviously not be able to play in the remainder of this tournament. Heartbreaking doesn't begin to cut it with, with Justin Moore and going with that injury, just everything that he means to this team more so than even what he just does on the floor, which is be one of their most versatile players. 
Justin is, of course, a, a complete foundational piece of a team that has won so much over the past couple of years and a team that, of course, is now headed to New Orleans here. Um, I know I was crushed after that game. It was the weirdest feeling in the world. We're recording this yeah. for, for people's um, context here. Late on Monday night, it's two nights after Villanova did advance to the final four, but that game ended and I was not jubilant. Like, like Villanova just went to a final four. Cause I was so crushed for Justin. Cause I had a feeling it was an Achilles injury as I, I know many people did um, as well. It, he had his surgery uh, Monday morning. So starts to get moving on that. And we know it'll be a long recovery process for JMO as Gus Johnson uh, Nick. So uh, happily nicknamed him and, you know, just thoughts and prayers to him. You hope for the best recovery possible from him. You know, he's going to do everything he can to go back on the floor. Uh, We all know from listening to me, Justin Moore is my favorite player on this team. Uh, I I love Justin Moore and everything that he does here and um, just, just wish him the best. And it's of course a huge blow for this team this season and next season as well. Yeah, next season is obviously another huge part of it. For better or for worse, I think we knew the extremity of the injury based on the video that you may mm. or may not have watched. Yeah, it's rough uh, to depending say. on how yeah, how much your stomach can handle it. It was devastating. Like you said, I don't think it fully sunk in that I could be happy until about 11 p.m. that night because I just had a pit in my stomach yeah. afterwards. And honestly, I felt like that after the Ohio state game too, because I thought Collins injury was much worse than it ended up being. Thank God. After both those games, I just had such a pit in my stomach because a Villanova is so reliant on those guys. And you wonder what their ceiling is like without them. But more importantly, you don't want their for Colin, his career for Justin, his year and potentially his future to end like that. And it's just, debilitating injuries that make you cringe and make you so, so, so sad for them. And the whole country, I think, is starting to realize Moore's importance. And I had thought about putting down every single number I could find about how much Justin Moore statistically means to this Mm -hmm. team. And I decided to scrap that because I don't think that matters as much as how heartbroken I am and everybody should be that he isn't able to play in these next, in this next game, potentially two games. And how sad it is that he's not going to be able to play in his senior year too. worst case scenario. It's just, all of it is just so sad and hard to talk about and made me emotional when I was watching him crying on the bench and his other teammates. It's just, all of it is so much and so sad. It's really difficult. Just someone that is bought into this program from day one and has been such a a key component uh, of everything that, that Villanova does. I can also speak from, I was lucky enough to, to interview him many times uh, while I was at Villanova and he was just such a nice guy and always, always took time to answer questions. Um, You know, Jay kind of tried to talk about Justin and everything about it, you know, quoted saying he guards every position. He plays every position except the five underrated in terms of value and what he's done this year. He's one of the most complete players in the country is from Jay. And he's so right kind of in terms of value to this Villanova team and thinking about what they lose when he does go out. It's not even as much offensively, which we know Justin Moore can completely go off on offense and hit some, some big threes and get to the basket, but he has just blossomed into one of the best defenders on this team. Um, and that's where the, they're really going to feel it. If you are looking for, you know, some more uplifting part of it, just go check out Justin oh, Moore's Twitter timeline. Yeah. Um, because just the, you know, the outpour of support he's gotten from Nova nation and how he's embraced that has been very, very cool, uh, as well as just how that Final Four game ended and and Colin Gillespie running over to him immediately on, on the bench. That that picture of kind of him leaning into him, talking to him, I, I think that's gonna you're gonna see that one for a very long time around here. Yeah, um, uh, it's heartbreaking. It sucks. We'll put it that way. Um, I know we're all pulling for Justin, and and we hope to see him back out on the floor as uh, as soon as possible. Yeah, and Colin, who will never be known for his words, did hmm. have a really, really nice quote that I'm sure everybody has heard yes. and seen too about talking about how he's been there and, and he knew he knows exactly what Justin is going through because of that torn MCL last season. So it was a nice it was a nice camaraderie moment. I think it's fair for people to wonder as we transition to his actual impact in the games and previewing what this team looks like without him. Mm-hmm. So uh where, do you want to start there? Do you want to talk about the games first? What do you think? 
Ooh, that, you want to, uh, we kind of just talked about Justin, so I guess we can kind of keep going with it a little bit. We don't have to go too far into it because I know we want to go into the games here. Uh, rotation wise, it's going to be really interesting. Uh, funny thing is it's not going to affect the minutes all that much from the guys you're used to seeing. Caleb Daniels is playing over 30 minutes a game. Anyway, Justin averages about 34 Caleb. If anything is going to see a slight uptick there. The biggest thing is going to be how much does Eric, how much more does Eric Dixon play someone who's seen his minutes start to dwindle a little bit. And it, again, it, it was, we've discussed through this podcast. It hasn't been because Eric has been playing well. It's because Jay has really gone and embraced the small ball. And then the most interesting thing is, you know, what is that minutes distribution going to look like for Chris Archie Diacono and, and Brian Antoine, two guys that, that Jay Wright named, you know, by name uh, Monday morning in his press conference also mentioned Trey Patterson, by the way. So mm. watch out there for a little wild card action. Um, but that's going to be the biggest thing is I think you're going to see Eric play a little bit more. And I do think you're going to see Brian Antoine log close to 10 minutes on Saturday night. Yeah. It's funny. Like close to 10 minutes seems like the biggest deal in the entire world. Um, this, this conversation also brings into light how much of a loss Jordan Longino is. Yes. How comforting it would have been to have him knowing that he can give it, come in and give you a quality 10 minutes and then maybe in this case closer to 15 to 20 so that's also gutting i'll give some positives not one single team left plays more than seven guys Mm -hmm. so generally villanova is not gutted by justin moore's loss in terms of depth unc literally plays five guys duke is very thin kansas is probably the deepest team and they don't go more than seven or eight so it will be much more about the impact of the time that we get from Dixon, Antoine, and Arch. It's funny, a, a lot of the national people are talking about Caleb Daniels. I think we already, Caleb has already proved himself. Yeah, he does seriously. not need to do anything else. This will 100% come down to what Arch and what Antoine can do. And I'm also looking, I'm really, really interested to see how Slater and Dixon show up in this game, because this is their time to prove themselves a little bit Slater more so Mm -hmm. because he has been so absent in this tournament, specifically getting a good, not even beginning of the season, because that is, is long gone, but a mid season performance for him from him could make Moore's absence hurt a little bit less. Yeah, well, what you're seeing a lot for the Final Four is it seems like a lot of places are starting to just discount Villanova because Justin Moore's out, and so, you know, what are they going to oh. do against against number one seed Kansas? Think I'll again, give, people. I, I say, I'll give you a little bit of a sneak peek into what we're going to talk about on Thursday. Villanova is very much in this game and can very much beat Kansas even without Justin Moore based on how Jay Wright is going to try and, and scheme some things up, but Hey, that's a little teaser for Thursday's episode. You're going to have to listen as, as we go more into that. But that that's initial thoughts there. Yeah, I feel the same way. I absolutely have wondered how Villanova's ceiling changes, but I have never once discounted them. I have yep. never once discounted them because when you think about the – if in this case, because you have to, you're substituting Caleb Daniels for Justin Moore. That is still just as talented of a starting five – as the three other teams. I truly believe that. And that's why Villanova still has a chance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, for sure. The, the question is definitely not about Caleb or, or even Eric as much. It's it's how involved do Chris and Brian get off the bench and, yeah. and seriously, how many minutes do they play? So that's what we'll be watching. But uh, as Jay even talked about in his press conference, they only have to navigate potentially 80 minutes worth of basketball without <laughs> right. Justin Moore. There are two games yeah. left in this season. If Villanova is able to win on Saturday, this is not something where they need to get through a stretch of big East play and figure out what to do and all that. No, 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 no. We're down to it here. So it, it's not that far to go. Villanova is very much in this. If I can calm your nerves a little bit and get you ready for Thursday. <laughs> yeah, it could have been a lot worse. It definitely could have been a lot worse. And I think we should leave it there because I don't want to ruin anything for Thursday. <laughs> me too. Me too. Me too. <laughs> we will have so much more talking about specifics of that game plan and what it should be like against Bill Self and the Jayhawks on Thursday. But now let's get into some of the fun stuff, which is recapping Villanova's huge wins over 11 seed Michigan, which I'm just going to let Pat soliloquize about for this entire episode. And then, of course, <laughs> the massive win over the Houston Cougars, the five seed, the betting favorite yes. going into that matchup on Saturday. 
Yeah, I, I don't have too much on Michigan. I think we're, we're going to go through Michigan pretty quick here. But uh, again, uh, you know, an impressive way for, for Villanova to close out a team here. I, I think they actually did pretty much to a T what we outlined, if I want to give ourselves a little pat on the back there, um, and that it was all about Hunter Dickinson. He's going to do his thing, and he certainly did, though Villanova made it challenging for him. They didn't let him get around the basket and forced him into some longer post shots which he struggled with. He never really got into a rhythm. They did get him in foul trouble as well. What I love to see from Villanova is they were not afraid to bring double teams on him, though he did really impress me with his ability to pass the ball. Uh, so he did make some good choices there. And, and Nova tried to force Michigan into beating them in other ways. And Eli Brooks tried. He certainly did. He kept them in the game. Um, but but otherwise, Nova was able to grind this thing out. Yeah. Yeah, uh, you basically said exactly what I wanted to do. Dickinson had 15 and 15, mm-hmm. and that was still good enough for Villanova to win. So he is an extremely good player. Villanova as a whole was just more balanced, grittier, tougher, more physical, and that was what allowed wow. them to win. Something that, I mean, those all those words will be used to describe the Houston win as well. Oh, but two you, other things. You set me up so nicely for that. Yes, keep going. Michigan shot under 35% from two and three. That's just not good enough to win. And I think why Villanova was able to do that so well defensively is because they got out to a hot start as they did against Houston and they got off to a hot start after halftime. So when you set that benchmark, when you control the pace that way, it's really hard for teams to catch up. That's what Nova has been doing this whole tournament is setting the pace and forcing teams to come to them. And obviously they've been able to control tempo in every single game they've gone into Villanova has not really, you know, fallen prey to another team, throwing them off their game. It it just, it hasn't happened. Now, a part of that is they have not played a team yet that really likes to run. Every Mm -hmm. team that Nova's matched up against has been a little bit of a slower pace here. Kansas is going to be the team that that changes things up because they, they run, but they're not, you know, top end of the runners, but it's definitely faster than what we've seen. And Villanova's thrived off of defense in this tournament. And that is what has been the most impressive thing for me. And it's not even this tournament. So going back to that St. John's game, the first game in the Big East tournament, the most points that Villanova have allowed since postseason play began is 65. And the other... So impressive. Yeah, otherwise you've seen 60, 48, 60, 61, 55, and 44. Villanova's defense has been on another level since they got to the postseason, And it has at times carried them for wins. I think we look back at some of these games, Villanova's offense wasn't exactly firing in that Big East title game where they finished with 54 points. It wasn't humming against Michigan. It wasn't pretty against Houston. But they have found ways to win all of these games because the defense puts them in such you know, an advantageous position. And it's a theme we've looked at all season long is that this Nova team is so much better on defense than, than we thought going into the season. They've continued to grow into that mold and it feels like they've really hit their peak of what they can be defensively. And that is what is leading them to go into new Orleans right now. Yeah. And honestly, it's criminal that they're ranked 18th in Ken Palm right now. And it's criminal that I love that people describe them as the toughest team left in the heart and the leadership but people should be talking about their defense and they're not. That is what has led this team to this spot right now. I, I totally agree with you. They have won two consecutive games against teams that a operate in the paint, which proves that size does not matter anymore. Villanova can win small. If you didn't know that you definitely do now. And they've limited good shooting teams to, I think under 30% in both games that doesn't happen Often it hasn't mattered that Villanova shooting hasn't been on. Like you said, they've found other ways to win. And it just goes back to the adapting points we've made and the versatility and getting the most out of the roster. Jay Wright has done such a good job. These players have done such a good job adapting Mm. and just rising to every single moment. It has not been pretty by any stretch, but they knew that a 70 point performance wouldn't be necessary against a team like Michigan. It might be necessary against a team like Kansas, to be honest with you. But they've just, they've ridden the wave of every single opponent and game plan so well against each specific opponent that they truly are taking it game by game. And I think it shows. Uh, You you go to toughness. So thank you for for setting me up here. I, I just, just think about this and for everyone listening as well, think about how the narrative has shifted about Villanova in the past to where Villanova is now. 
Villanova used to be considered soft. Uh, mm-hmm. I saw that all the time for for when when people would try and and describe Villanova as a whole and, and Villanova's teams is that they were soft. Now they go out there, you know, just over the past couple weeks, they win street fights against UConn, Michigan, and Houston. They have the athletic calling them the toughest team in the country with players comparable to linebackers in terms of physique, you know, referencing Samuel Slater and Daniels. It is incredible how things have shifted in, in public perception of Villanova, as well as just how they've been able to get things done here. Villanova is one of the toughest teams in the country. They will grind you out. They are so difficult on defense. They are not going to make mistakes. They're going to make you make mistakes. And it's just, it's an incredible transformation that we have seen really even just from the beginning of this season. I, I mean, think back to some of those early games where it was, they Villanova scored some points, but it was ugly uh, at times. And where they are right now, it's incredible. It's it's yeah. incredible. I'm really excited to see if tempo changes everything, if opposing tempo changes everything, because you're right. Houston was, I think, in the 330s in terms yep. of tempo, and Michigan was somewhere in the 220s, possibly. I don't have it right up in front of me. But Kansas and, and Duke or UNC potentially will be very different, so I'm curious about that. But I'm also going into your point about public perception i think it's such a good one and i wonder also how much that would have changed if the, if this had been a colin gillespie shooting led team as opposed to a jermaine samuels paint play led team you catch my drift there mm-hmm. <laughs> because this tournament run has absolutely been fueled by jermaine samuels and his linebacker legs and his linebacker <laughs> strength and every other ad, uh, adjective that you can use to describe how physically imposing he has been in the paint. And I think it has been a switch from even the regular season Villanova that we saw all season long. So it's fascinating how quickly this team was able to change. I think we'll see a third, fourth, or fifth version of it without Justin Moore, of course. But man, the the fact that they're able to win in so many different ways, not many other teams can do that. With the same personnel, you just don't. We're we're so lucky. That was another thing. We're so lucky. Oh, we are. Team. Yeah, just just a little bit. At the right time is just insane. It is, and we've gone far enough. And you mentioned him. It's time, Jermaine Samuels. I mean, what more is there to say now after last week? We were talking about how impressed we were about how he has he outdid himself. He, he, he did. Outdid himself. He did. We were talking about how great it was. You know, the 15 points and nine boards against Delaware, 17 and eight against Ohio State. What does he do? He follows up with 22 and seven against Michigan. And, and honestly, most importantly, is that 16 and 10 against Houston because Houston went in with that game plan of Colin Gillespie is not going to beat us. And they executed it to a T. That was the best defending I've seen on Gillespie since the Baylor game easily. Mm-hmm. That was the, the direct parallel that uh, that I drew there. They were not letting Gillespie get shots up. They made sure to go over screens. They were always hounding him. Houston did a really, really nice job trying to take Gillespie away. The issue is it's not as effective anymore because Caleb Daniels continues to play so well. And Jermaine Samuels is just all over every single game. He stayed out of foul trouble lately as well, which has been really, really important. And it's going to be so vital for this Villanova team come Saturday night uh, being down Justin Moore, but Jermaine Samuels, he was named the most outstanding player in the South region. He absolutely deserved to be named most outstanding player in the South region. When you throw it onto how awesome it is that, This guy came back to do it one more time when he didn't have to. And this is how his career is going to end with a trip to New Orleans in a final four. And he is putting the team on his linebacker shoulders right now. Uh, It it feels pretty good. Yeah. I didn't even put that together. Actually. When you think about how big of an accomplishment that really is, all the stars that were in the South region, Benedict Mathurin was an all American Christian Coloco, all the guys on Houston that never get enough credit. We saw Villanova. Kofi Coburn, thank you. Hunter Dickinson. Yeah. We thought Villanova was going to be a two-headed beast with with, uh, Colin Gillespie and Justin Moore. And slowly but surely, it became a three-headed beast. And then it became a four-headed beast with Caleb Daniels shooting the way he's shooting. And teams continue to eliminate Gillespie. That is their main point, as it should. Because I'm really glad you made a very, very important distinction, which is that it's not about how many shots Colin makes. 
It's about how many shots Colin takes. Mm. He had six field goals attempt, yep. field goal attempts against Houston. Six. That's because of Houston's defense. That's not because he's just missing shots. He only took six of them. He only made one, coincidentally. But anyways, they're continuing to take Colin out of the game plan, which they should because you don't want him to get hot from three. But now they're letting Jermaine Samuels operate in the paint. So I would not be surprised if Samuels is absolutely smothered by Kansas and or Duke or UNC. But when you do that, you then put less pressure on Gillespie, which allows him to go. Or you put all the pressure on Gillespie and you let Jermaine Samuels to go. So they're just in this incredible incredible position where both guys are playing so well at the same time, plus Caleb shooting, that they, they find – I've said it a million times, but they've just – found ways to do it and it couldn't have happened to a more deserving guy we've talked about how much we love Jermaine all season long but man best player in the south region and it was Jermaine Samuels how many people were talking about that before the <laughs> tournament started right? I would have liked to see the DraftKings odd from Johnny uh, on that yeah. before this tournament started no it, it, it's a remarkable story it's a story that I'm I'm thrilled to be able to talk about um, and, and it's a big reason why, why they're headed there. Um, you know, yeah. that on top of the defense, which we saw in full swing against Houston, I mean, they held them to one for 20 from beyond the arc, which of course is the big number that everyone is going to reference. But what I also want to go into with Houston is how, you know, Jay Wright really put them in a bad situation where, you know, Josh Carlton, one of their best players, a really good, big struggled with Nova's versatility. He got into foul trouble and he had to sit while Jay played small. And when Houston was trying to claw back, they weren't, he wasn't even in the game late because Houston had to keep trying to throw up threes there. So that was big from Jay and kind of getting one of their better players off the floor because they just couldn't match up with what Villanova was doing. And then secondly, of course, Kyler Edler shot uh, one for 12, one for 12. And in the tournament, he had 25 points, 15 points, and 19 points in the three games leading into that elite eight matchup defense, defense, defense. We're going to keep saying it because that is the key for Villanova defense. And Oh, a little thing called free throws, which uh, they only <laughs> shot at a hundred percent. That deserves an unbelievable amount of credit. I actually had another point about perimeter defense too. Yes. One for 20 is an absurd statistic. And yes, of course it should be talked about, but the bigger idea for me is that, Villanova has played some very good bigs in this tournament and, mm-hmm. and in the Big East. We, that seems to be the big thing we've talked about all season long because Villanova is small. Besides Carlton, the bigs have generally done very well, right? Dickinson did very well. Uh, who was the big on Ohio State? I can't remember. But, I, but I feel EJ like Liddell a, is a difficult matchup. Yeah, he did really well. There have been stars on opposing teams. Again, Houston, you kind of throw it out because they shot so poorly altogether. The bigs have gone off. The bigger deal is that the perimeter defense has been so good that when it comes desperation time, teams just aren't able to climb their way back because mm-hmm. Villanova's three-point defense is so good. And that's another thing that just doesn't get enough credit. Villanova, of course, can can bear up in the paint and stop a guy, but they can also stop some really good guards. A really good Eli Brooks, who had gone off in the game prior to Villanova, was held basically incompetent from three. You know, there's just there are other ways this defense operates besides just limiting the big guy, and I think that'll definitely come in handy against Kansas for sure. I've been impressed with how they've handled bigs too. It's, you know, they've done better than I think a lot of people thought they would. I think of Adama Sonogo in the Big East semifinal. Sonogo wasn't able to get into any sort of rhythm yet. You know, Dickinson had his 15 and 15, but I didn't look at it that Dickinson played some great game uh, against Villanova. I I think Nova's defense made things really difficult on him uh, with the type of shots. And the key really is that Villanova does not sit deep underneath the basket, whether that be Samuel Slater or Dixon, they come out a little bit further and they force you to try and back them down, which, which can put some of these bigs in a difficult position where they're shooting the ball a little bit farther from the hoop. And obviously things can change very much if you just move back a couple feet there. So uh, of course it all plays into the defense here with Villanova perimeter defense has been super, super key, but while bigs, yes, they've gotten, they've, been able to to hurt Nova all season long. We've seen it. 
they haven't hurt them as badly as I think a, a lot of people yeah. thought they'd be able to, myself included. No, I feel the same way. In any sort of way that completely derailed Villanova's chances. And Michigan and Houston both had over 50% of their shots and their field goals made from inside the paint. And Villanova was able to eliminate that and force them to shoot outside. And that was where they both struggled. So I, I think it's it's really impressive. And I mentioned this before, but I'll reemphasize it because I think it's so important. Getting out to hot starts in both of these games was so essential and it becomes even more essential against Kansas. I don't want to spoil it too much, but Kansas is really good at closing. And if you were worried about Villanova's closing ability and their lack of depth before Justin Moore's injury, Hmm. then you're probably even more worried about it now and how gassed these starters are going to be right when Kansas starts to get into its groove, like they did against Miami, especially in that second half. So getting out fast is going to be absolutely essential that's how they were able to force Michigan and Houston into positions where they had to chuck up shots I think Kansas is better than both of those teams but it's something that Villanova has struggled with finishing out finishing strong and starting strong and and both of those things are even more important now yeah plus five and plus eight for Villanova in the first 10 minutes against Michigan against Houston and then you brought me into a point that I was going to close with for, for this, but I'll, I'll go into it now. And it might be closing. We'll see. But you, you talk about literally closing. Just think back recently. Houston cut it to 42-40 with five minutes yeah. to go. Michigan, 54-50 with three minutes to go. It hasn't been pretty. Ohio yeah. State, 62-59 with four minutes to go. Think back to UConn and Creighton. The team that couldn't close throughout most of the season has done nothing but close since the calendar turned to March. they Every single team has thrown an uppercut at Villanova in the final five minutes. Uh, there were the last three teams that they played in the, the final five minutes of these NCAA tournament games. The Big East came out swinging at them, and every single time Villanova has gotten off the mat and found a way to finish this off. And it is mostly happening through my new favorite way to end games, and it's Colin Gillespie dagger threes, which oh just continue like, to rack up. I, don't, I can't even wrap my head around how predictable it's coming it's straight off a screen he's ball handling he gets a screen from samuels or dixon he moves a little bit to the left or right pulls up and fires (laughs) exactly i I think we've seen that exact same show about three or four times uh recently and uh, i would like to continue to watch that show on repeat right to the right of the left at the top of the key every single time with just under three minutes left Colin Gillespie dagger seals it yeah it's hysterical it's been listen they haven't been without their warts as I just went through it all three of those past couple teams have gotten it to within four with under five minutes to go and and Nova's found a way to pull away and that's why I said it hasn't been pretty I mean the Michigan ending was the worst one for me I, I couldn't believe that game was stretched out the way it did but Villanova has lost those type of games yes. this season and they're not losing them anymore. They are not losing them anymore. I would... Honestly, I just think these guys want it more than everybody else. And, and I know that that seems like a cliche thing, but against Michigan specifically, Michigan just didn't seem in it like Villanova was every single 50, 50 ball Villanova players are diving over the floor. And Michigan wasn't. And, and I felt like it was the same way against arguably the toughest team in the country in Houston. And it's the fifth year seniors. It's the, the age and the experience and the mix of the new guys who are just getting it for the first time. Everybody wants to contribute. And I guess this transitions well for me into this culture and how many blue bloods are in this final four. These guys are used to winning and they're not going to let some team like Michigan get in the way of where they want to be, which is the final four. Yeah, I don't know how much of it is if they're in it, but what I can tell you is that Villanova is more disciplined and, and these yeah. guys are more disciplined. And as you said, they they know how to win. They know, they understand what goes into winning. And especially in times like this, when the lights are so bright, when it's really easy to have a lapse in judgment because you've got so many things and the game is moving so quickly in front of you on the biggest stage, you trust these guys from the system that is put into place from the day these guys get onto campus. And it's part of why Villanova, it's not a part of why, it's a big part of why Nova is back here yet again. Yeah, and I'm almost sick of hearing people talk about how methodical Villanova is. It makes them sound robotic and have no color or character, but it's true. 
They are so <laughs> methodical. They don't hurt themselves. They force opponents to play their game. They don't make mistakes. They don't turn the ball over. It's so textbook. And they execute it to a T every single time. And that's why they've won. Is it eight straight games now? I believe it's a nine and zero in March. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Nine no. and zero. Not bad. Listen, you, you can have your Auburns and your, your high flying, lots of fun up and down the floor, all, all these different things, but I'll, I'll take my slow and steady Villanova Colin Gillespie uh, at the ready. Um, shocking how Auburn's run turned out or Arizona's run turned out. Yeah. I would much rather have Villanova. I'm, su- <laughs> I'm still shocked about Zona. Not going to lie, but um, Me too. point point goes into it. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's not always pretty, and it's not always the game that you are on the edge of your seat watching if you're a casual viewer, but it works. And that's all we care about. And I know yeah. for the people listening, that's all they care about, too. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Man, I, I don't know if I have anything else about these two games. No, I, I think that was it for me. Yeah. I'll, I'll end off with a pretty cool stat, and I'm sure you have it, too. Since the 2007 and 2008 season, Duke, UNC, Kansas, and Villanova have won seven of the 14 national championships. And that will soon become eight of the last 15. Just setting the scene for how stacked this final four is and how even without Justin Moore, Villanova should absolutely still be counted and talked about in this conversation. That's what I said. That these are the top four programs of this millennium, um, and it's. Uh, I love. Yeah, I love that. I think that is the perfect way to say it of yeah. this of this generation. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, Kentucky. Sorry, Gonzaga. But the these are the the top programs right now, and it's uh, it, it leads into what will be a, a just an incredible weekend. Um, I'm so excited for for everything that's about to come. I can't believe it's finally here. As we record, I mean, a standoff March is just insane. Like we said, we are so excited for Thursday's episode. So please make sure you subscribe. Leave us a review while they're, while you're at it. It only takes a few seconds. We would really, really appreciate it. And get ready for Thursday. And let us help you get ready for Saturday. We will have everything in that episode. So we are so pumped about it. Oh, yes, we are. It's coming. It, this is going to be a brutal week to get through, in all honesty. I know. I, it's I, only Monday, Pat. Yeah, I, I signed off work today, and I'm like, oh, I still got to get through four more days before the final yep. four. My God, this is going to be difficult. Yep. But we'll get there, people. We'll do it together. Time for some general? Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. I. Uh, where do I want to start here? I can help you. Yeah, I need you to help me. You you tee us up for the for the your first observation quite simply is Gonzaga ever going to get this done uh I I truly thought last year was their year as did I I mean that I I don't know that that was like 2018 Villanova right the the collection of talent the balance of big men versus shooters and they just got smacked in the face by this Baylor team and I think that happens sometimes you just get beat by the better team and Baylor was the better team and then they went out and they got Chet Holmgren Mm -hmm. who by the end of the season really was exceeding expectations I know there's a lot of talk about him and where he'll stack up in the draft he was an incredibly good player this year Drew Timmy was on another level in the tournament Nemhard was one of the most underrated players in the country Watson all their other glue guys and they couldn't do it so now they're probably going to lose Timmy and Holmgren and Nemhard. I think is graduating. It feels like he's been there. I believe forever. that's correct. Yep. And I just don't know. I guess if they have that type of winning culture, that's going to just keep generating teams like this, like Villanova does. I feel like Gonzaga has more of an expiration date, and it's unfortunate because I want it for them badly, and it just never seems to fall for them the way they want it to. Yeah, just with the collection of talent they had last year and, and then going into this year, as well as then surveying the, the rest of the college basketball landscape, it, it felt like it had to be now for Gonzaga. I, I, of course, they've had so many good teams over the years. They continue to go to the Sweet 16 seemingly every single year. But for them to, to drop out to Arkansas, and I understand Arkansas got hot towards the end of the season, but we all saw Arkansas against Duke. They, they weren't even close to the same class. And, and yeah. f- for Arkansas to then be able to do that against Gonzaga, it's 
it's a really rough way for them to go out. Yes, I understand the refereeing was not exactly good um, in, in that game, but um, for for the Zag for this team again for the Zags to go out and to go out in a Sweet 16 with how talented they were, this is an incredibly bitter pill for Mark Few to swallow. Yeah, they they had a sizable deficit in every single NCAA. They never looked right. That's true. They never looked right. Literally against Georgia State. I think Eugene put money on Georgia State because he just he was playing. (laughs) You're outing our man. What are you doing? (laughs) I can't blame him. I I can't blame him. No, I'm just messing. But they they just never looked right. And there were a lot of teams that didn't look right in this tournament. The Kentuckys, the Auburns, the Arizonas, the Alabama's the Texas Tech's I was yeah another good one it was just a weird year a good year because we saw so many upsets again a bad year for our brackets I think as I say for everybody yeah but I think 0.1 percent of people predicted the final four it's funny because it, it equally parts you hear Duke UNC Villanova and Kansas and you say duh those are the best teams <laughs> obviously but the versions of all of these teams versus the rest of the field. And this just feels like such an unlikely conglomerate of teams. Do you agree with that? Is that how you feel? I mean, I'll eat crow on, on Duke and UNC. Uh, I, yeah. I certainly will. Duke, I thought, Same. was primed for for an early an early exit there. Of course, you know, I talked about Davidson. And then I, I really thought Texas Tech was going to be the end of the road. Yeah, just with how Tech's game plan and stylistic differences there, I thought was going to give Duke fits. And it certainly did to the start. But then the Dukies really, really did wake up there. And UNC is shocking to me because mm-hmm. I watched that team a lot this season. And they never struck me as a team that I thought could go on a run because consistency really uh, escaped them. I didn't trust them defensively. Yes, we knew that they could go off and score some points there, but they also went through some cold stretches. So for them to be able to run through the East and get to the final four, yes, I understand it wasn't the normal matchups. You know, we'll, we'll say that that you would have uh, expected with Kentucky and Baylor going down early and playing God, St. Peter's in, in an Elite Eight game uh, to go to a Final Four, but that's really, really impressive. The Atlanta Braves had the fewest wins of any playoff team last don't, year. Don't give Bay- me Atlanta Braves stuff. No, 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 no. Don't do that. Don't do that. I'm and trying. I'm still trying to forget. at the right time and won the World Series. All it takes in sports is to get hot at the right time. That is exactly what's happening to UNC. People wanted Hubert Davis gone. <laughs> well, people are, crazy. people are crazy. People are crazy. That's its own thing. But unbelievable job by him, his staff, Brady Manic, Armando Baycott has been shockingly good, truly shockingly good. Caleb Love Caleb has probably Love. earned himself yeah. a really nice paycheck in the NBA, to be honest with you, if it wasn't already going to happen. I, I just want to watch UNC play so I can hear Ian Eagle continue to throw out oh like love God. puns whenever Caleb Love yeah. drills a three. Um, so. You would think that he would run out of things, but he hasn't yet. No, he really hasn't yet. Love is everywhere. Love is blind. Uh, it just love's it kept, in the air. Love is in yeah. the air. <laughs> he, he hit them all over the weekends. I didn't hear love is blind. That's a good one. That was a good so one, right? Yeah. Uh, one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a big Iron Eagle guy, so had to do a yeah, shout he's out. Great. He's great. He had such a good game to call, too. That that love 30 point game was so yes. good. Um, I think St. Peter's deserves a, a few they, seconds. They were second of our time. on my rundown, yes. Man. I was listening to the Ion College Basketball Podcast, CBS podcast, mm-hmm. and Matt Norlander asked a very good question that I have been grappling with in the last couple of days. And it was, what would have been a bigger storyline if Duke and UNC met for the first time in NCAA tournament history? Again, Duke and UNC have never played each other in the NCAA tournament, and they are playing each other for the first time in the Final Four in Mike Krzyzewski's final season as Duke head coach. So that's one scenario. And the second is 15 seed St. Peter's from Jersey City, New Jersey, <laughs> making it to the final four. What would have been a bigger storyline? Pretty wild. Well, I'll take it from the Villanova perspective. What happened, though, yes, it's disappointing to not see a 15 seed in the final four, is better for Villanova. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Because if St. Peter's matched up with Duke, um, Duke can can punch their ticket to, to Monday night. So I, I will take Ouch. UNC. Yeah, it, I'm sorry. It's over. Um, but uh, 
You know, I know everyone loves their upsets, of course, and this run no one will ever forget, but I will take a UNC Duke semifinal over a Duke St. Peter semifinal any day. It's I'm so sorry. funny. I, I, I'm I sorry. think that. I, oh, I really you do? I thought you were going to go St. Peter's. Okay. No, I, I think it's awesome. I will never forget St. Peter's, but I, I, I think Duke UNC in Coach K's last season is just nobody in their wildest dreams thought that would be a thing. And a lot of people thought a lot of things about coach case last season. <laughs> that's for sure. But what St. Peter's was able to do to Purdue, that's where absolutely we should end. This was nothing short of magnificent. Purdue was my pick for the national championship, mm-hmm. national champions. I thought they were that good. Yes. They stink on defense. And yes, that's yeah. very apparent. <laughs> yeah, it was. Williams. <laughs> And Zach Eady, I thought were no match for St. Peter's and they completely proved me wrong up until UNC. And it really, it was just crushing. UNC went up to a nine, nine Oh run the first couple of minutes of that game. St. Peter's hadn't been down by more than six against Kentucky, who was arguably one of the best teams in the bracket Murray state, who I think had won 21 straight games and Purdue. Yeah. It hadn't been down six. And then they just got blindsided by UNC, which was a tough way to end because nobody wants to lose by 20 in their last game. But what a remarkable run. I will never forget it. I will absolutely be so happy if Shaheen Holloway is in the Big East next season. And be careful what you wish for. They deserve so much credit. I do because I think he deserves it. And I want to see him. He he does. Just be careful what he can do at Seton Hall because I am very interested what he can turn the Pirates into. After that, yeah, listen, that's the game that I think a lot of people are going to point to in this tournament is you have St. Peter's taking down Kentucky and then Purdue is just, I, I can't, I don't even have words to describe it. So I'm, I'm not going to go there. Um, it does. It, I, <laughs> the biggest thing from that game that I cannot believe is that St. Peter's neutralized Jaden Ivey, who is going to be a top five pick in the NBA draft in a couple of months was completely just could not get anything going against the St. Peter's Peacocks. Jaden Ivey, 4 of 12, 1 of 6 from beyond the arc, 9 points, 6 turnovers. Couldn't have done that against Villanova, Jaden? Yeah. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I was going to say, I don't think Villanova could have beat Kentucky or uh, Purdue in this tournament, and St. Peter's did. I I prefer to not see Oscar Shibway. Um, so right? I, I wasn't upset when, when St. Peter's knocked them out. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Jaden Ivey's better than Paolo Bancaro, just, just for shots fired. Sake. Oh, the coach K people aren't going to like that. Yeah. But uh, what an insane, insane run. I, I think that will be the biggest thing I remember besides the Duke UNC. Is that where you're at right now? I, I, again, I think we're obviously biased, but Villanova making it to the final four over Arizona and Houston is pretty crazy. Gonzaga losing early is pretty crazy. And the amount of upsets we had in that first round, uh, Miami, Ohio, Iowa state, what was it? State 16. That's insane. That never happens. A 10 versus an 11. There were some crazy storylines. Yeah, there was, uh, but I will certainly remember this tournament for Villanova going to a final four. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. St. Peter's. <laughs> yeah. And then do, do you want to have one more shout out here before we finish? Yes, let's do it. We have to Providence college. Um, they, oh, they, thanks, Pat. No, they, they did lose to Kansas, but I, I do want to do hats off to them on what was a, uh, you know, an incredible year for them. One of the biggest ones they've ever had in school history. And just to kind of show what Providence has done all year round, they may have played the worst half of basketball I've ever seen in my life in the first half against Kansas and found a way to take the lead in the second half because, of course, Ed Cooley and his team were able to. Um, so, listen. I understand they beat South Dakota State and Richmond to get to a Sweet 16. It doesn't matter. Sometimes that's just how the the cards play, and and you just you deal with what you're dealt. But they played a really tough game against Kansas. They fought with them to the end. A team that is now going to the Final Four and will be matching up with Villanova. And yes, we can make fun of them for an asterisk in the regular season all we want. But shout out to Coolia and what he's done at Providence and everything that's going on there. Yeah, they showed up. I love that. I think Cooley runs away with National Coach of the Year. I thought for a split second they were going to do it. Did you? Yeah, I did too, because it's the luck of the Friars. I mean, uh, what, what else would you <laughs> Obviously. <ask? laughs> of course, it's what Providence does this year. I mean, speaking of neutralizing, they completely neutralized Abaji, which Villanova will have a very tough time doing on their own. 
Noah Horkler came alive. Al Durham was unbelievable. They got a no show from Nate Watson and Jared Bynum. And this team was still able to find a way that Providence, man, they, they stuck around. If, if you can't compliment every part of any part of their game, then you have to, uh, you have to at least give them credit for how gritty they are. Mm-hmm. I, that was, oh my God, you're right. I don't think I've ever seen a basketball team play a worse half of basketball than they played in the first half. And I think they were down eight. Yeah, they had um, what they had eight points, 15 minutes into the game, I believe. It was abysmal. It was truly debating whether I should turn it off bad <laughs> because the quality of basketball was that low and they were able to find I knew I knew they could. I knew they could. And they did. And Kansas ended up just being the better team. But what? what a what an insane run for them yeah i know that it's so different because and i felt this way about when providence won during the season and their fans were just being real jerks and not understanding that they did win the big east and they were four seed going into the tournament and have some pride but this doesn't happen at providence every year my brother went to the buffalo and chicago for both of those games because this doesn't happen all the time so i think it's so cool i absolutely love that they made a run yeah, just wanted a little biggie shout out there. So yeah, we have all. to. You got to band together for the Big East. See, I'll be nice to them. I've taken my shots at them all year. Um, so you have. I'll, yes, yes. So, Karma comes around, Pat. Yeah, yeah. We don't have to remind them that Villanova beat them twice, but it's all right. We just did. See. You oh, just, oh, sorry. Whoops. How that happened? <laughs> <laughs> but no, that that's everything I wanted to hit on general. Oh man. Yeah. That, that was fun. I'm happy. We did a little bit of a general segment. We have such good stuff coming up on Thursday and I just want to reiterate that Villanova is in the final four people you've listened all season long and never in our wildest dreams. Did we think Villanova was going to be in the final four? I know I didn't. I I'm 99% sure that you didn't Pat. Ah, man. Think where we were when we did the what's going wrong episode after yeah. the, the Baylor and Creighton games back to back. I can't say I was dreaming of a, a New Orleans trip in early yeah. April um, at that point. So, I mean, that's what it comes down to. It, it really is just a, a testament to this program and how far they've come, even within this season. Um, so, yeah. you know, what an accomplishment. Uh, this episode was more, as you heard more, just reaction, us kind of having fun with, with things that happened. Thursday, we'll definitely dig in a lot more, talk about Kansas and all that matchup stuff. And uh, it's a big week. It is a big week. (laughs) Buckle up. Just make it through. Just make it through to Thursday, and then we got you until Saturday. Thanks. So I'm going to be telling myself on repeat here over these next couple of days. got you, Pat. Don't worry. (laughs) Thank you. But all right, that'll do it for us here on the State of the Nova Nation presented by VU Hoops. Be sure to check out VUHoops.com for plenty of content as we get you ready for Final Four weekend be sure to subscribe to the show leave a rating and follow us on twitter at s-o-n-n pod we will be back at it on thursday for our big preview nova nation the wildcats are going to the final four it's a good day it's a good week we'll be back at it on thursday and nova nation that's a wrap